Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We are the church. I want you to say this with me. I'll, I'll give you the phrase. And then let's say this together. The church is Jesus' idea. Ready? One, two, three. The church is Jesus' idea. And I'll throw this in, and it was a good one. Because there's been this, there's been this mindset that's been, been kind of like infiltrating even believers' minds that church is not a big deal. Church is a man-made thing. Church, it doesn't matter. You can stay home and have church yourself. Baloney, because the scriptures are completely opposite to that. There was no place in the New Testament that any Christian, any believer was called that did not automatically have a church, have a body of believers, a group of individuals that they were assigned to. Every believer is assigned to a particular local body, local group of individuals. There There are no lone rangers. Unless you're living on a desert island by yourself, that's the only excuse for that. Okay, the church is Jesus's idea. He died to institute this and establish this group of individuals on the earth that are going to carry out his his ministry. And it's extremely important that every single one of us start to distance ourselves from the mindset: is I'm going to go to church and I'm going to go there, and for that hour, five minutes, an hour and ten minutes, whatever it is, I'm going to really feel good. This does not exist for us to feel good. We do exist to comfort one another, to lift each other's burdens, to help each other navigate through the difficulties of life. But this is not for entertainment. This is not just for you and just for me. That we come together on a weekly basis. Some, some of you come on Wednesday nights in addition. Some of you come uh, to other groups that are being held during the week and uh, But our idea of coming together is to receive the equipment that we need. Number one, to keep our sanity and to help others navigate through the difficulties of life, bringing them to a place where they'll hear. Now, I don't mean bringing them to a place geographically, but bringing them to a place in their soul where they're ready to hear the truth about the gospel. What Pastor Matt shared before was very important because, again, yesterday... I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an observer. I'm a, what you call a scanner. I walk into a room, right away, the first thing I'm looking for is, is everything done nice? Is, I'll walk into a building and look at the ceiling right away because if the tiles are not being taken care of, if there's water leaks and stuff like this, and so, so I ask our staff here. As soon as I walk in a room, I'm like, why? Because to me, that speaks whether this is a place of excellence or whether it's a place that's just been falling apart. Have you ever been to a restaurant and you look at the ceiling? <coughs> we went to a restaurant. I need some water. I went to a restaurant in Tulsa one time. We were out there. Some of you guys were with me. Thanks, Jeff. Um, and we were sitting at the table. There was a bunch of us. We had gone out there to a conference. And I looked up, and they had one of the ceiling fans there. There's clumps of dust. And I'm like, you're going to bring my food here, and this thing is above the table? <coughs> I said, let's get out of here. Let's, this is disgusting. So why did I say that? Why am I talking about this? Be in the room. 
Okay, thank you, yeah. Um, so, so yesterday, I must have made the trek around that, that parking lot, that area that we had set up down there 20 times. And I'm watching people, and I'm watching people that are coming in, being dropped off by their shuttles, people that are parking, and you could see people coming, you know, this tough attitude, this tough countenance and stuff. And then by the time they made one circle around, they're smiling. Fathers that you could see had no patience for their kids were all of a sudden like, come on, kids. Why? The church, listen to me, the church, which is you and which is me, not, not this building, the church, one of our main goals is to get people to realize we don't hate you. God doesn't hate you. We're not judging you. you. We were worse than you were, okay? And to make people feel at ease, not so that they can like us, so that they will not be antagonistic to the message of the gospel. And truthfully, I will do everything short of sin to make sure that individuals that are living in this crazy world would feel welcome, would feel at ease, would not feel like they have to put a special image on when they come into our midst, that they can be themselves so that, for what reason? So that Jesus through us can touch their hearts. That is the church, okay? Now, until you start seeing it that way, you're gonna be a spectator. And there's one thing about this, and one thing that we very rarely talk about, and I keep saying I'm gonna teach on this, but I've yet to get a, like permission from the Holy Spirit, okay, it's time now. Do we understand that this life on this planet is like, and that we've got all of eternity. There's no way for us to fathom what that's like ahead of us. But the quality of that eternity you and I are determining here. Every single one of us is going to have to give an account of what we accomplished here and what we did. Paul says, while in the body, in other words, while here on earth, there's a time in the future that every single believer that's ever existed is going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and given a reward. Now, that reward is not based on how much money you accumulated in the bank, how many houses you own, how many cars, how much jewelry you have. That's junk in heaven. That reward is going to be determined by one thing. Did you do what I asked you to do while you were still on earth? And every one of us, we all have general commandments from God, general commissioning and mandating from God. Let me put it to you this way. Every one of us have an assignment, general assignments on our life, just as being believers. But then there are specific assignments to our lives that I can't accomplish for you and you can't accomplish for me. I have a specific assignment on my life, but guess what? So do you. And there's some things that God's going to assign you that I could never accomplish because of limitations of my personality, of just whatever. Being able to relate to certain individuals that you're going to be able to accomplish much greater than I can. You have people that God 
has predetermined that they're going to come across your path in your life that you're supposed to influence, that you're supposed to impact. And so I know the temptation is, uh, Pastor, could you come to my house because, you know, I'm having so-and-so here and they're going to come for coffee, and maybe if you're here and you could talk to them. No, I'll come if you have something good for dessert. But, <laughs> but that's not my assignment. And so for you to try to substitute me in your assignment, it's your assignment, and it has a reward attached to it for you. And so please, please don't fall for what most of the church in the United States is falling for, that I'll go there on Sunday morning, I'll be entertained, I'll feel good, it feels so good to be here, it feels so good to be here. Start seeing yourself as one that's on assignment. Start seeing yourself as one who has got attached to your life a specific thing that God wants you to accomplish. He has equipped you. He may have even put, put facets in your, in your gifting, in your talents, in your life, the things that you're, that you're natural with that are going to be used to appeal to someone. Take that serious. You are, if you are a believer in Jesus, you are a minister of the gospel. You don't need to have a title in front of that. In fact, the title doesn't make anybody. Titles are just a recognition of a gift that you recognize on somebody's life. And so in order to uh, distinguish them, I almost said extinguish, in order to distinguish them from, from um, you know, that they're in leadership, you attach a title. You know, when we first started the church, there were many people uh, uh, that came with us to start this church that knew me, you know, was when I was still just, you know, a cook in a restaurant. And so they would say to me, well, you know, what do you want us to call you now? And I'd say, honestly, call me whatever you want. I don't really care. But it's not that I need to be called pastor. But if you're just going to call me Joe, and that's fine. I don't care. But are you able to receive from Joe? Maybe you're not. Maybe you're able more to receive from Pastor Joe. And if you're able to receive from Joe, when the time comes for me to be and step into that position of pastor with you, that's fine, but I don't really care what you call me. Just call me, you know? So, so I'm saying all of this to break this idea off of our congregation. Now, I'm responsible for this congregation. I'm not responsible for anybody else. I'm responsible for new beginnings, whether it's here, whether it's in Babel, whether it's wherever it's going to be in the future. This is my responsibility, and I want us to be an army, and I want us to live up to Jesus' expectation. Because when he died on that cross, he didn't die just to save us from going to hell. He died to raise up and to commission an army of individuals that would scare the hell out of the devil. Amen. And I'm sorry, I hope that didn't offend you that I use that language. The Bible uses hell all the time. So. But you see, as long as you keep seeing yourself as a spectator, or as long as you keep seeing, oh, this is going to be different here. Now, as long as you keep seeing yourself as a victim and you come to church because you just don't understand, and please don't get offended anybody. Well, you, Pastor, you just don't understand how, how tough my life is and it's just so bad and you know, I just need to come to church and, and I just wish I could stay here all the time. And I'll say, yeah, no, we don't want you to stay here all the time. We want you to get healed. We want you to get empowered and then get out there and go affect somebody else's life. You've got the greater one living on the inside of you. You are not a victim. You are a victor if you will allow that to rise up in you. You've got the same spirit inside you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He dwells in you. 
Be the church. You want to be entertained? Go watch a movie. But be the church. Take serious the fact that God has empowered you. He's given you the ability to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. He's given you the ability to, to break the chains of oppression off of people's lives. He's given you the ability to raise people up out of the garbage heap. Do something with it. Are you hearing me? I'm so excited that we're getting the chance to be the church now in southern in Ocean County, in Bayville, because we're seeing people now come from south to there, which is what we want, okay? Because it's too far for people to drive from. You know, we do have people from Manahawk, and we've had people from Manahawk all throughout the years, but let's face it, that gets old quick, you know? And so when there's a place much closer, now we're seeing people from Lacey, people from Barnegat, people from, from Beachwood, from South Toms River, from Ocean Gate, from all over the place. That's the way it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to sit here and go, well, this is great. We're packing the house every week. Oh, so we do four services on a weekend. You guys brag about that. I'm like, we do four services every weekend. <laughs> so let me jump into part three. Listen, and we understand that the church is not a building, the church is people, right? We understand that the church is Jesus' idea. He said, I will build my church, okay? So it's his idea. It's not a man-made thing. We understand that church the experience is this, listen to me, because a lot of people don't understand this too. Church is supposed to be a supernatural event that takes place whenever two or three are gathered together in his name. He said that. Wherever two or three gather in my name, I'll be there. You think it's different when Jesus shows up? I used this illustration a few weeks ago. Let me ask you this question. On Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday afternoon, when the disciples were scared to death they're paralyzed with fear. They're huddled in, in one little house. They've got the door, windows closed, doors closed for fear. And then Jesus appears. Let me ask you a question. If you were there, you think the atmosphere would have changed when Jesus showed up? What do you think happened to all the fear? Gone. Gone. He said, well, that's because Jesus was there. But he said to us, wherever two or three of you gather together. He didn't say there was an expiration date on that. He didn't say until the year 232. No, he said, from that point forward, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst. That's why when you come here, you leave and you go, it's just, I just feel something in that room. I just wish I could stay here. I just wish I could camp out. What do you think you're experiencing? I've told this story throughout the years. When we first obtained this, this property, not when we bought it, when we were just renting it, and, and again, many of, you, many of you, some of you were here then, the sanctuary was up to where that, where that wall is right there, like right here. That was the sanctuary. So I'd be standing over here ministering, and the most ice-cold folded chairs that you could imagine in history. I would watch people when they'd sit them and go, <laughs> but that was the best we had back then, okay? Now, we were going to carpet the place because we had come in, and, and this started out as a youth, just, this was our youth facility, okay? We had church and schools, but we had a full-time youth facility here because we believe in the young people, okay? Right? And many of them are serving here and serving in churches now. Now, 
So the guy who's going to install the carpet, our offices were next door where they are now. We let him in and just do your work. He comes over halfway through, staggering up the steps. And he comes into the, to the main office up there and he goes, there's something in that room. And he's slurring his words like he's talking like a drunk. And we're laughing. And he's sitting here going, there's something in that room. I said, yeah, I know. It's because we spend a lot of time in that room praying. And we spend a lot of time in that room worshiping God. And what you're experiencing is the residue. It's not that there's something special about the room. The residue of all the praise and all the worship. Remember, remember Jesus said, if I tell them to shut up, the rocks themselves are going to cry out? This poor guy didn't know what hit him. It's real. Why am I saying this? Because sometimes a person will come to one of our services or any church that kind of believes what the Bible says, and they'll say, it just feels, I don't know, it's weird. Of course it's weird. If you experience the same atmosphere here that you're experiencing on your job, something's wrong. It's, the atmosphere is the same here as when you go to the movie theater. Something's wrong. If the atmosphere here is the same as when you're home fighting and killing each other, something's wrong. It's supposed to be different. Well, you know, I, I, don't, know if I, I don't know if I like this healing thing. Would you rather people came here and got sick? Would you rather somebody left the church service worse than when they came? Because I can direct you to some places. I've been, I know what that's like to go to church and feel worse than when you, when you got there. Okay? It's supposed to be supernatural. It's supposed to be different. You were supposed to be experiencing something here. You had a young man come here for a service this morning. Never been to this church before. In fact, it's only the second time he's ever been to a church on his own. And he said to me, I was, uh, you know, came home for the weekend, was sitting home Googling to see where I want to go, and the question in my mind was, where do I belong? What do you think I taught on the last service? Where I'm going now, the power of belonging. That was a supernatural intervention into that young man's life because he knew God heard his concern. I, I saw his face. I saw his face change when I started talking about what I'm going to talk to you now, that the church, and I know we've all had bad experiences someplace, but you know what? Just grow up, okay? You've had bad experiences on your job. You had bad experiences in your marriage. You had bad experiences in your family. But then when it comes to church, you know, I had a bad experience. Well, did you give up on life because you had a bad experience? Everybody has bad experiences. Why? Because the church is also made up of human beings. Flawed. Still working things out. Still on this journey of trying to be more like Jesus. But there is power in belonging. And the church, listen to me, the church in its purest form is supposed to provide for that basic human need to belong. I don't care how miserable of a person you may have been. I don't care how, how miserable your friends are. Every one of us has been born with this thing on the inside. We need to belong. None of us are supposed to go through this life alone. We need to have that sense that I have a group of people that got my back. I have individuals in my life that when things are rough and things are bad, 
they're going to come through for me. Are you listening? I got to move real quick. Luke chapter 5. You know the story. Jesus comes to the, the seashore, and Simon Peter has, you know, they've been out all night, and we're going to go through that, and they're washing their nets, and you see Simon Peter, I imagine, is over here with the boats and the rest of the guys that work for him over here washing their nets. And, um, and, and verse 3 says, Then he, Jesus, got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes. Now, we don't know if he taught him for 15 minutes or if he taught him for hours. We don't know. The point is, when he stopped talking, he said to Simon, Launch into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered, said to Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners and to the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, saw what? That the, the nets were so full. It affected something on the inside. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now listen, I've been a self-employed businessman almost all of my life. In very short periods of time, throughout those years that I worked for someone else, I usually worked for myself. For me to get to the place where I'm gonna lock my doors, shut the lights, and leave that for good, there would have to have been a very strong impact made into my life for me to walk away from my business. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. So what do we have here? Here's the scenario that I wanna lay out to you. And again, I'm presenting this to you because I've read this story hundreds of times, possibly thousands in 34 years. But this time, I was prompted to go look a little bit deeper. And there's a danger when you're used to reading something and reading something and reading something, you think you know it all. But man, what I found out about this in the original language blew my mind. When Jesus said in verse 4 to Simon, launch out, in Greek, it's a singular term only meant for him. Then he said, and throw out your nets. That was plural. That was meant for his partners and his employees. So when I read that, all of a sudden, I'm in the story, and I'm saying, oh, this is what happened that day. Jesus comes on the scene. And did you ever walk into a very tense situation? Did you, did you ever walk into somebody's house and you know, oh man, they've been fighting for hours in here. You know what I'm talking about? Did you ever walk in, you walk in, or you walk into somebody, how you doing? Good. You don't have to be a psychologist to understand and realize, oh man, something's about to go down here. Gee, now put yourself in this pen. Jesus walks up on the shore. Simon's over here. The rest of his people are washing their nets. You could probably see on Simon's face, he is mad. Been killing himself all night. He's the first words that come out of his mouth. We've worked all night. We've been busting our backs all night and caught nothing. Jesus says, launch your boat out. He gets out there, he preaches. 
And I'm not, I can't tell you for sure we'll find out when we get into eternity, but I'll guarantee you, he started teaching about forgiveness, reconciliation, all this other kind of stuff. Why? He's done talking, and then he says, he directs to Peter. Why? Because Peter's the head guy there. Simon, launch out your boats for a catch. Guys, cast out your nets. What did he do? The reconciler showed up on the scene and brought all the parties together and brought back to them their sense of belonging to one another. They go, they obey, because at this point, having listened to Jesus and whatever he taught had to have softened their hearts. And so now they're willing. He confirms their obedience with this biggest catch that they ever had. And the tension just went totally. He's brought them together. He gave them back the original sense of belonging they had when they first became a team. And then he gives them fresh vision and fresh purpose. Church, that's everything that's supposed to happen when we come together. In 21 years of pastoring, I have seen, not once or twice, someone will come in, a newcomer, somebody who's never been here before, and all of a sudden, I'll get the backstory later, that they knew somebody that was also in the church, possibly in that same service, who they haven't talked to for years. Mad at each other, angry, maybe had business partnership that went bad, and by the end of the service, they're hugging each other, crying. <laughs> The church, in its purest form, is supposed to provide for that basic need of belonging. Are you hearing me? And then, he gives us fresh purpose. Go out. Go catch some men. Go get some people. Go bring somebody else. Because in, in, see, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul got a hold of this. Because the Apostle Paul, you study the Apostle, oh, this is good. You study the Apostle Paul's life, there was a lot of strife and division. When he first meets Jesus, nobody in Jerusalem wants to have anything to do with this guy. Why? This is the guy that we're running from. This is the guy that's killing Christians. This is the guy that's locking everybody up. He gets to Damascus after he has an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's blinded. And Jesus speaks to a guy named Ananias, go to such and such street, go to such and such house, there's a guy there, his name is Saul, that I've been talking to, and immediately Ananias goes, you, you mean Saul, the guy that just came from Jerusalem, the guy that was sent here by the chief priest to come and arrest us all, you want me to go to this guy? And Jesus says, go, I've already shown him what he must suffer for my name's sake. Why am I bringing Saul up? Why am I bringing Paul up? Because it seems like every place he went, there was conflict, but every place he went, there eventually is reconciliation. He has a fist fight with a guy named Barnabas over another staff member on his team who turned out to not be not so dependable. Later on, he writes, bring Mark with you. He's useful. All of your life on this planet is going to be a series of friendships, relationships, companionship. 
that's going to be tested and given opportunities to reconcile and come back together again. But there's no greater institution on the face of the earth that provides for belonging than the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because it was founded on love and it is fueled on love. Now, I'm running out of time here, but I want you to hear this other incident from the Word of God. Acts chapter 4 is based on Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going to the temple. There's a man there that's crippled. The man looks to him because especially the gate that they were walking through to get into the temple compound is the traditional place where all the beggars went. Okay, so they're passing through the gate. It's called the Gate Beautiful, which is, is the gate that faces the Mount of Olives, okay? So Peter and John are coming there. They're walking. All the beggars are there, and this one beggar looks at him. And you, you, you might know the famous saying, Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, be healed. The man jumps up. He's healed. He's dancing around. Gets the attention of all the thousands and thousands of people that are also going to the temple. It gets to the chief priests. They're mad because they think they got rid of Jesus and now his disciples are showing up doing the same stuff he did. So they arrest Peter and John, put them in prison, hold them overnight. In Acts chapter 4, they bring them out to try them, put them on trial. And they say to them, we forbid you to ever again preach or teach in this name, the name of Jesus. Because they were going around teaching about the resurrection. The last thing they want to remind people about is the resurrection. They've gone through many lengths to try to squash this whole thing like it was never real. So they threaten Peter and John. Tell them, never again do we want to hear you doing this. They let them go. And then the famous phrase, I believe it's in verse 23. Yep. Verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Where did they go? Where did they go? To their own companions. They just come out of a very serious situation. Why? <coughs> the same people that had condemned Jesus to crucifixion are the ones that are trying them. Caiaphas is there, the high priest. All the people that just a few months before possibly just five weeks before, that it condemned Jesus to the cross, to the crucifixion. They're now having to stand in front of and say, and they, their response to them was this. You judge for yourself if we should listen to you or if we should listen to God. That took boldness. Boldness. This is the same Peter who just five weeks before denied he even knew who Jesus was. But he's standing up in boldness. Why? Because he knew. There was a group of people in the city that believed like him, friends with him, had, had grown up in the faith with him, that he knew these people will have my back, and that gave them boldness. Listen to me. Let me ask you this question. We're wrapping this up right now. Do you have your own companions, or do you come to church? You sit here. Hello. Hello. You might stop in the lobby for a free cookie or a cup of coffee or a glass of water. And then you're going to get in your car and you're going to go home. And, and don't take this the wrong way. Maybe we'll see you next weekend. Or maybe we'll see you three weeks from now, four weeks from now. Or maybe when the next crisis shows. No, don't take that the wrong way. I'm, I'm here to try to break some things off of us 
that we live life differently. That is not enough time for you to build any kind of relationships. And you're sitting here right now. You're here. We know you might even know your name, know your face. But you don't build relationships sitting in here. You build relationships outside of this room. You build relationships. Listen to me. Number one way to build a relationship, number one way, number one way for you to establish your own companions that when you're in trouble and your back is up against the wall, you know who to go to. Number one way is by serving together. When you serve together on a team, you really get to know each other. You get to know people's weaknesses. You get to know their strengths. You get to know their, their, who they are. You get to know their backstory. You get to know about their families, whether they have no family. You get to know about their life. And that's what it takes to build companionship. Let me ask you this question. Do you have companions or are you going through life all alone? You're going to go to heaven. There's nothing to do with whether you're going to heaven or not. But what is your life going to be like here while you're still on earth? Do you have your own companions that when the doctor calls you up after you went for tests and says, you better get back in this office right now, we see something. You've got people that you can call and go, listen, I don't want my mind to go crazy here. Just please keep me in prayer. This is what the doctor just called. Do you have companions that on Friday when your boss comes up to you and says, I got to close the place down. I can't, I'm sorry. You're out of a job. Do you have companions that you can go to? Do you have companions when all of a sudden you find out that person that you've been sharing the bed with is also sharing the bed with somebody else? Do you have companions They're going to help you navigate through that crisis. Or are you going through life on your own? The church is a place where we gather strength from one another. Amen? They ask you this question. Are you going through life alone? Or do you have companions? Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today.